At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Uh. Check it out now. Uh. No doubt now. Uh. Tuesday morning, January 29th, Check 2019. It, it is the Beating the Book podcast. Megapod time. Not just any Megapod, but of course... It is our special NFL Megapod Super Bowl 53 Props Edition. We do it each and every year, and joining me each and every year on my right from Wager Talk, 39 years in the business, Marco D'Angelo. Good morning, Marco. Good morning, Gil. Hard to believe this is the end of it, last show of the year. It is hard to believe. It felt like it started just yesterday. And then, you know, it's like anything in life. There's that one part of your brain that's like, man, it started just yesterday. And then your other part kicks in, and you're like, oh, no, that was a long fucking time ago. (laughs) (laughs) I remember every damn show. By the way, I'm going to thank our guest for being here momentarily, but thank God he wasn't here with us last week, because that would have been entirely embarrassing. On my left, ladies and gentlemen, out of the sports betting diaspora, with us and thrilled that the Kansas City Chiefs are not in the Super Bowl so he can gloat about it. Ace. Good morning, Ace. The $3 bill finally got to break that and get some change in Missouri. It's just a matter of time, man. At least they took it that far. But again, that team was built for the regular season from start to finish. At least they won a playoff game. I mean, that is a step in the right direction. They will be good for years to come with Patrick Mahomes. Trust me on that. It is a pleasure to have on the show today. First time on the podcast. Uh, has been with me on my VEASAN show, among uh, other VEASAN shows, for the entire football season. He has his own VEASAN show. He's the co-host of Betting Across America that he does weekends on VEASAN. He is the author of Gridiron Genius. Has his own Ringer podcast that he does as well. What did I leave out? And of course, more than anything, we know him from working uh, with Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells, Bill Walsh has had a storied NFL career. It is my friend Michael Lombardi. Michael, thank you for doing this, sir. Oh, this is my pleasure. And now that I get to work with Ace, I, I almost feel like I have a chance to uh, get into the Hall <laughs> the of Fame. The tipping point is coming, week. Mike. It's coming. Good week. 
Sean McVay read my book, and now I work with Ace. I mean, you know, this I don't know if I get much better than this. By the way, how did it come to you? How were you made aware that Sean McVay read your book? Peter King uh, wrote about it in, in Football Morning in America, his column. I guess he jumped in the car with Sean McVay, and he asked Sean McVay what he would be doing if it wasn't for... Uh, him being in the car, he said, I'd probably be listening to Gridiron Genius by Michael Lombardi. My grandfather sent it to me. I worked for his grandfather in my first job at the 49ers. He actually, his grandfather was the the guy who started, really, we started this trading down phenomena in the NFL. Trading down never was real popular in the NFL. And in 86, Bill Walsh asked me to go to the board and write three names on there. And I wrote Gerald Robinson, defensive end Auburn. I wrote John L. Williams, uh, running back Florida, I wrote Ronnie Harmon, running back Iowa, on a chalkboard, H, just so you know, Marco, just so you know, it's a chalkboard, not a grease board, <laughs> 86, <laughs> long time ago, and just like that, those three names, at 14, Minnesota took Robinson, at 15, Seattle took John L. Williams, at 16, Buffalo took uh, Ronnie Harmon, and then we were picking at 18, so we started to trade down. And we traded down. We ended up with a first-round pick the next year, but we collected a couple players you might know. Uh, the one first one we, collect, we, we, we drafted was Larry Roberts. Then we selected Tom Rathman. Then we selected Tim McHire. Then we selected John Taylor. Then we selected Steve Wallace. Then we selected Kevin Fagan. Then we selected Charles Haley. <laughs> and then we selected Donnie Griffin. Uh, just just a few names from 49ers just lore. Just a few you might have heard of. Yeah, yeah. that's all. And, and by the way, Sean McVay's grandfather that you're referring to, I assume, is John McVay? That's right, yeah. John McVay from the famous fumble. Herman Edwards, you would have gone crazy on this, Gil. This was end of the game at the Giants Stadium. Do you remember when Herm Edwards picked up the ball and ran it in to sure. win the game for the, for the Eagles? Joe Pisarczyk, Larry Zonka, yeah. There you go. His dad was the, his grandfather was the coach of that ball club. All right, gentlemen, let's do this. Let us get into Super Bowl 53, the game itself first. Not much to intro here because obviously we've beat this around for a couple weeks now, or at least the better part of a couple weeks. But as we do this on Tuesday morning, the New England Patriots are consensus two-and-a-half-point favorites. And since yesterday, this is now relegated to just one book here in Nevada, just William Hill. William Hill is the only book that has the Patriots as three-point favorites, even money. Everybody else at two-and-a-half. It will be very interesting to see where this goes between now and game time because we thought it was sort of fait accompli that it would go to three. Now I'm not so sure. Not so sure about this. Total from 58 to 56-and-a-half. Um, Nickel, uh, Nickel Roby Coleman talking some schmack, then sort of walking it back yesterday about Tom Brady. That's probably been the most newsworthy thing that's happened media day thus far. Otherwise, it's just uh, same old, same old, fun and frolicking. Patriots two-and-a-half-point favorites as we approach this. Patriots coming off their win over the Chiefs in dramatic fashion. The Rams coming off their win over the Saints in, how can I put this, controversial fashion, probably the best way to describe that. Michael, we start with you. If you had to bet this game, and if you are betting this game, which way are you doing so, and why, sir? Uh, You know, I I would go, I'd lean towards the Patriots, and the only reason is I think this game comes down to who can win the four-point plays, the third downs in the red zone, and when you look at at, this is the one statistic offensively that the Rams have not been effective in all season. They rank in the bottom half, and they've had numerous amounts of attempts, they just haven't converted very many third downs in the red zone. So I think it'll be a close game. I really think the, the, the Rams 
will move the ball. I think Goff will make some plays in this game. But I think at, the, at that that part, I think the, the four-point plays, to me, favor the Patriots. And I think that's where they'll win the game. This is one of the few games the Rams will not have a significant advantage in the kicking game. Belichick will be prepared for all that trickery, and I don't think there's going to be any any push there. And I do think they will be able to neutralize the Rams defense, which has a reputation for playing a lot of man-to-man, but really plays mostly all zone. And I think they'll take advantage of it. And the four-point plays that you're referring to, for those who don't listen to you on VEASAN or any of our VEASAN shows at the Vegas Stats and Information Network, those plays that either result in having to settle for a field goal or matriculating it further for a touchdown, that four-point difference. Uh, is what you're referring to there. Let me ask you one uh, follow-up question to this, though. You're obviously know Bill Belichick well. You've been in the room with him when he's decision-making, when he's game-planning. He's famous for taking away the most potent offensive weapon on the other side of the field. How do you think he's approaching this, especially with Todd Gurley's health being in question? Well, I think Gurley's, you know, I think with two weeks, you got to expect Gurley will be there. And I think Gurley's in, in the passing game is what's got to worry Belichick the most. I think Belichick's concerned about Gurley in the passing game. That's a matchup that doesn't favor the Patriots whatsoever because of their linebackers. But the way I think Belichick sees this game is twofold. I think he's, it feels like he's got to get the lead and play from the front. The Rams, you can take away their run game. You can take away the inside or outside zone, and they'll still be able to throw all their play-action passes. You can take away their passing game, but they're still going to be able to run the ball. There's not a way to make them truly play left-handed. What makes them play left-handed is by making them play from behind and forcing Goff to have more drop-back passes than he cares to want to throw. Goff does not throw very many drop-back passes. So my sense of what Belichick will do, will try to force this into a third-down game. Hard to do. The Rams are the best team in converting first downs and two downs. They do it repeatedly. They don't have very many third downs. I think he's going to try to make this a third-down game. I think you'll see some negative blitz plays. I think he'll try to create the negative plays on first down, and I think that's how he'll try to. There's no he's got to stop the run, he's got to stop the pass. I think we'll look at this and say, look, we can't give up big plays. We've got to jam Cooks. We've got to force them, if they're going to move the ball, to do it in three downs each time. And when they get in the red zone, we're going to play great third-down defense in the red zone, and we'll win the four-point plays, and that'll win the game for us. By the way, and we didn't mention this on VEASAN this morning, but how about Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, and Matt LaFleur all on that Redskins coaching staff uh, back in 2010? Just every Redskin fan yeah. just sort of shakes their head. Although you, I guess you can't really blame the Redskins too much at that point. You know, I mean, you could because it's easy to blame the Redskins because <laughs> the one of the things you have to be able to do is recognize talent. You know, the Redskins fired Shanahan. I mean, let's be honest. I yeah. mean, they fired Shanahan, one of the best coaches in football. They fired his Kyle Shanahan's dad. And, you know, Sean McVay only survived because of Gruden's relationship with his brother and Gruden Tampa was there. And the Gruden family and the McVay family go back to Dayton, Ohio together, where John McVay was the coach at Dayton, and Jimmy Gruden, the father of John and Jay, was on that staff. Well, I'm with Michael, Marco. I am all about the Patriots here, and I'm going to do the same thing that I do every year, seemingly with them, since it's their third straight year in the Super Bowl, which is wait for the money line on the Patriots to mute as much as possible, meaning for it to go down. The behavior in Super Bowls, as we've discussed in previous years, 
Folks who bet underdogs during the regular season tend to take the points. For whatever reason, the last 20, 25 years, that behavior changes in the Super Bowl, and they're more likely to take the underdog on the money line, and that artificially brings down the money line on the favorite. So right right about now, minus 140-ish on the Patriots. I'll wait around, see if that comes down any further. How do you see this game, sir? Well, first I'm going to comment on that uh, statement. I agree with you in the previous Super Bowls. That's what we've seen. I don't know with this line being as small as it is and the public love for the Patriots that we're going to see that big of a a value on the favorite on the money line as we've seen in the past. Uh, I just don't see that this year with this matchup. But we'll see what uh, uh, happens when uh, the public gets to town. Um, As far as the line goes itself, uh, as everybody else, you know, I thought this line was going to go to three. Um, we did a bunch of videos yesterday um, in studio, and the majority of the bookmakers around town are thinking that it's going to not go to three, and that kind of surprised me yesterday because the general thinking is uh, the public hasn't touched this yet. I mean, we haven't seen the onslaught of uh, everybody that heads to Vegas uh, for Super Bowl weekend uh, where the majority of the money is going to come in on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday morning. Uh, so that surprised me that they thought it might come back the other way. Uh, but for me, yeah, Gil, you already know which side I'm on. I'm on the other side. And yeah. as I joked with you uh, yesterday, you're the numbers guy. And for me, you know, you look at this from the, you know, the numbers side of it, the Rams are the better team, uh, both sides of the football. And I, But when you go to that intangible, and it's a big one, you know, the two Bs uh, usually uh, – result in uh, busting my bankroll for the other two bees because every time I step in front of them, I get run over. But uh, I can't go with it here. And I know that in uh, Super Bowls past, and, you know, we've had a changing of the guard as far as young quarterbacks in the NFL. We've never seen the learning curve be so fast with these guys. But, um, you know, I commented back in the day, the biggest Super Bowl bet I ever made uh, was the Super Bowl with the Miami Dolphins and Dan Marino. I just uh, I just couldn't see Marino going in there in his first Super Bowl and being able to compete with uh, the 49ers. And I had a big play on the 49ers and, you know, said, hey, you know, Dan Marino, first year, uh, you know, the stage is going to swallow him up and uh, he's going against the team he's not going to be able to answer points with. And don't worry, Dan, you'll be back. Well, <laughs> uh, I was right on the game. That's about it. So, uh, with this one here, generally, I would look to go against Jared Goff, but the thing that I'm taking away from it is last week, for the first time, I really came out of last week's game with more confidence in Jared Goff than I've had in any point of this season. Uh, they couldn't run the football last week. They had to do it with the passing game on the road, came from behind. Yes, they got the controversial no call uh, that you know saved them uh, big time in that game. But the fact is, Jared Goff still had to make plays, and we haven't had to see that. And, you know, I couldn't get that vision out of my head of the Sunday night football game against the Bears uh, when he looked like a deer caught in headlights in that game. But uh, he impressed me in the Saints game. I think they're going to be able to move the football. We've talked about, you know, New England. This is a team that, you know, again, I don't want to belabor the point. They've done everything they're supposed to do. But they always get a leg up simply because of the division they play in. They play in the softest division in football with the Jets, the Bills, and uh, the Dolphins. 
and that gets them into the playoffs every year. And then from there, they do their magic. I'm going to go ahead and go with the Rams here. I like them. Um, I think it will be on the lower scoring side. Um, I have it the Rams 27-23. Let uh, Belichick uh, one more time. I'm still trying to get that taste out of my mouth from the uh, Atlanta Super Bowl uh, two years ago when <laughs> we had both, both Atlanta and the under. Uh, got the old double whammy in that one. I had the Patriots on the money line. Never in doubt, Marco. Never in doubt. Yeah, yeah. Marco's a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan, so it should be noted that Marco is defending the six Super Bowl titles here as well, trying <laughs> trying to maintain that franchise's purchase, the uh, team that has won the most Super Bowls. Patriots obviously sitting on five, Steelers with six titles. Uh, something interesting from yesterday, kind of neither here nor there, but uh, I believe it was Teddy, Teddy Covers, when we were sitting around there, was thinking to himself, hey, when was the last time a team that lost the Super Bowl one year came back and won the Super Bowl the next year? Now, this is obviously Super Bowl 53, and that's a very simple, basic question. And we started thinking about it without looking it up, and we couldn't. We're like, wow. Like, how has that not happened? It hasn't been. It's only happened twice in history. You have to go all the way back to Super Bowl 6 and 7. Super Bowl 5, the Baltimore Colts beat the Dallas Cowboys. Jim O'Brien with the winning kick, 16-13. Cowboys came back the next year, beat Miami in Super Bowl 6. That was in Tulane Stadium. And then that year... The Dolphins, who had lost Super Bowl VI, came back in Super Bowl VII. Obviously, that was their perfect season in 1972. January of 73, they beat the Redskins 14-7 to complete their perfect season. But those are the only two years, Super Bowl V-6 and Super Bowl VI-7. The Cowboys and the Dolphins, respectively, hasn't been a Super Bowl loser to come back and win the subsequent year, which is a fascinating statistic. I don't know if it means a damn thing here, but it's fascinating because you think about well, I mean, other sports, we even talk about it in basketball, right? How, like, teams in the Eastern Conference, whether it was the Bulls or the Pistons or the Celtics, whatever, like, teams had to overcome that, you know, that big challenge. It happens in other sports, not frequently, but sometimes. Why wouldn't it happen in football? And what we settled on was it's the single elimination thing, right? The fact that in baseball and all the other sports, so hockey and, and basketball, they're series, and it has more time to manifest that the better teams are going to win. Football, that's just the nature of it. New England trying to buck that trend, if you will, for the first time in 46 years with a victory here. Ace, your thoughts on the game, sir? All right. First, real quickly, I just want to put to rest uh, the narrative that's been built since this line came out, and it's going to continue up until the weekend uh, of the big game. And the narrative is all the money's on one side, uh, the Vegas bookmakers need the Rams because nine out of 10 tickets are being written on the new England Patriots. Here's what I can tell you. I, the first Super Bowl I watched here in Las Vegas was, uh, Patriots and green Bay Packers, Super Bowl 31. That's when I came to Vegas that summer. Since that time, I would say probably 15 out of the 22 Super Bowls after the first week, we heard the exact same thing. And here's the reason why. And let's not forget, this just happened last year. After the first week, all the talk was, if the Eagles win, the lights are going out in Vegas. All the money's on the Eagles. If they win the game outright on the money line, oh, they're going to close casinos. Nothing could be further from the truth. Don't let where the money's going uh, uh, 
affect your choice in this game. Don't let that be the deciding factor. I'm going with the house or I'm going against the public because nothing could be further from the truth. The fact that nine out of 10 tickets have been written on the Patriots, I think 10 out of 10 should be written on the Patriots. Simply for the fact is that line came out with the Rams as a one and a half point favorite, a one point favorite, or pick them. Now you're slowly watching your screen and you're seeing the Rams go to pick them. Now Patriots minus one, one and a half, two. Why would anyone bet the Rams if they like the Rams? You are going to wait, like everyone else, for the best number, hoping to get three. Now it'll get the three in some spots. It's going to come down because there's obviously a bunch of people waiting for that three. Um, Once that happens and they kick off this game, I can promise you, no matter the outcome, the books are going to end up turning a profit. Sure, they're going, to, they're going to always prefer one result over the other. But with that said, so much volume is bet on a Super Bowl that they will not be one-sided on this game. They'll, they'll probably be heavier on the New England Patriots, but the fact this point spread will probably start dropping again will be a reflection that they're not as one-sided as they're claiming, at least when it kicks off. So I, I, because that's all I keep hearing about all the money's on the Patriots, all the money's on the page, and it should be because of how the lines go. Now, real quick on what I like, listen, my life changes as a sports better. I've been betting for my entire life. I've been in this industry in one capacity or another, booking, betting, It is what it is. With that said, I've been moving steam for the longest time, but it wasn't until about 10 years ago that my life changed forever. And, and I finally understood this game because I had the access to the best information for the longest time, and I found ways to lose long-term winning information, like most people, until you learn how to bet. And what changed my life was when I started playing blackjack, and I worked professionally with an advantage blackjack team. And the reason for that was simple. I was able to play 200 hands one-on-one against the dealer in an hour. In an eight-hour shift, I could get 1,600 bets in. For me to get 1,600 bets in sports, I have to bet five games every day for a year. So it'll take me a year if I bet five plays a day to do what I could accomplish at a blackjack table in only eight hours. Okay, That allowed me to see the simple fact that all I have no control over the short term. The only thing I could do is make the right decision every single time, bet size correctly every single time, that if I see enough hands, there's no way they could beat me. And the proof was that they threw me out of every casino when I sat there long enough. And how that carried over to sports, it made me realize that no matter how strong my information is, when they go out there on the field, in a 60-minute game, anything can happen. I have no control over it. If they missed the call in, in, in New Orleans last week, that's short-term randomness. I have no control over that. But if I make good bets over and over and over again, I know I have an edge. This is what happens. I'm, at the end of the day, I'm sitting there with the money. And it happened in blackjack, and now that I, I move for these groups that win long-term, I've been able to use that information for profit. And here's where I'm taking this. My job is to get my money down when I'm getting the best of it. And for me, I had futures on the Super Bowl. As you know, every year before the season, I give one AFC team, one NFC team. This year, I got a little lucky. I gave the Saints at 15-1 to on the NFC. I gave New England at 6-1 to or 7-1 to in the AFC. With that said, the guys I moved for bet 
uh, Rams last week, as I shared, and they also bet Kansas City. So I hedged both those bets. I don't know why I hedged the KC one there. That's phony as a $3 bill. It is what it is. <laughs> I made that mistake. With that said, I still have a pending future on New England. So for me, it's easy. It's either let it ride or hedge. If you, you, you know, listeners know me very well. I had Clemson as a future. I still bet them for the game. I still bet Clemson in the second half. I had the Red Sox for a future. I still bet them to win that series. If I think that's the right side, I don't care what my future says. Unfortunately, in this game, the, my future is not the right side. In, in fact, I'm almost 100% certain, value-wise, it's the wrong side. And here's why. Uh, very few times as a sports better can you go into a game being 100% sure you're getting the best of it. Unlike in blackjack, where I could sit down and pretty much tell you the exact edge on most hands, what your edge is for that hand. You can't do that in, in sports. Um, but with that said, there are times we know we're getting the best of it. We knew it in the champion, in national championship game because they had odds numbers out for potential matchups a week before, and we knew that Alabama-Clemson shouldn't have been that high. Well, the same situation applies here. Prior to last week's championship games, there were spreads up. You could have bet this matchup. And in fact, this matchup was pretty much a pick Okay, the market is what's moved New England to a two and a half and, and even a three point favorite. It's the market. It's not the odds makers. It's not the power ratings. It's nothing like that. It's not the wise guys. It's the market. To me, anytime I know for sure that I'm getting a couple points better, I have to take that spot. And, and in the Rams case, there's absolutely no doubt that this line should not be two and a half or three. This line should be a pick em or the Rams should be a one-point favorite. No one's uh, power rating should have been adjusted based off of last week's that significantly. So if last week you would have made the game a pick em just because what happened last week, you're not going to adjust it that much. I don't want to keep talking, take up all this time, but I love the Rams. Take the Rams plus the points because, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if New England wins this one by one point. Let's not forget this about the Patriots. You could bet them during the regular season in fact, they're 61% in Tom Brady's career as a starter. 158 and what to 101, eight losses, eight pushes, excuse me. 61% against the spread just betting Tom Brady during the regular season. Bet Tom Brady in the playoffs, a whole different story. 20, 20 18 and 1, only 52% against the spread compared to 61 in the regular season. I'll take the Rams all day. Also, I made a bet on the under, but for the first half, I bet under 28 and a half. I bet under 28. Uh, that's the guys I moved for. It was their bet, and in my opinion, I piggybacked it. That number is gone now, but when the public gets in line and money starts getting bet, they're going to bet the over. The total for the game is going to go back up, so the first half total will go back up as well. If you agree with me on the first half under, don't take 27 and a half. Sit back and wait. You'll get 28 by game time. A couple good points in there, one of which is that when... All were great points, but... <laughs> <laughs> Enough out of you, for God's sakes. Uh, uh, who loves uh, one of which was, people should be wary. After this Super Bowl, when the result happens, inevitably you'll have a cottage industry of people on Twitter be like, oh, the books did this, or the books did the blanket statements. Every shop balances differently. So what's going to be the case at one book is not going to be the case at another. Every shop has its own distinctive managing of the books. They know what they're doing. Um, and so one book's answer could be different from the other. About the opening line, I agree with you that the power rating is exactly what it should be. 
I am shocked that they couldn't have anticipated the Patriots' money. I really am. Like, the fact that they didn't get that with recency, that that thing was going to move like it Yeah, did. that they were so surprised. Yeah, yeah. And it's the Patriots. Like That was very surprising to me. Support for today's show, as always, comes from Bookmaker.eu, an industry leader for close to 30 years, where pro players play, considering them a must because they're first to post odds. Take the highest limits and pride themselves on never having kicked out a winning player ever. Bookmaker, a high-volume sports book best suited for the sophisticated player who understands sports betting but also caters to large recreational players as well. And their motto remains where the lines originate because chances are the sports book at which you've been betting follows their lines. And right now, as always, if you visit bookmaker.eu slash gill, that's bookmaker.eu slash G-I-L-L. You can claim an exclusive 100% welcome bonus of up to $300. That's bookmaker.eu slash gill. To join and claim your welcome bonus of up to $300 right now, I don't bet without my bookmaker. It's the truth. You'll understand once you join as well. Thank me later. Bookmaker.eu slash G-I-L-L. All right, gentlemen, uh, let's do some props real quick. Uh, Marco, give me your two best football-related props, sir. My two best? <clears throat> All right, we're going to go with uh, Sonny Michelle under 77.5 uh, yards rushing. Um, the Patriots in the last two games have done a lot of running for a few reasons. The teams that they were matched up against, that was the way to go. Also, they had big leads, so they were running the football to burn clock. They're not going to be able to run the football against the Rams' front, in my opinion. Uh, I think they're going to be going more with a passing attack, uh, spreading them out, uh, trying to go with four and five wides to get some mismatches and actually be an extension of the running game. So I'm going to go under with uh, Sony Michelle, and then I am going to go over – 26.5 pass completions for Tom Brady. As I said, that's uh, correlated with the other play because I do believe they are going to be throwing more than they are running, and uh, those are my two props. All right, I got two football-related myself. I have no touchback on the opening kickoff. I got it at plus 190 at William Hill. I bet this last year as well. Uh, my numbers have it at about plus 140 on the no. Uh, my thinking here is this. The Patriots, Stephen Goskowski, 49.56% touchback rate. That is 27th in the NFL. In other words, only five teams have a lower touchback rate. So obviously I'm hoping that the Patriots are the ones to kick off. They are serial defers, with the exception of the last couple weeks. So that's in my favor as well. Uh, and I will say this, even if Zerline gets the kickoff for the Rams, Cordero Patterson is a guy who is very prone to taking the ball out from four or five yards deep. And I'm thinking especially the first kickoff in a Super Bowl, he will be geeked to do so. So at plus 190 for me, that is a spectacular wager. Could I lose? Of course, but it's all about the value. And then I took a needle in a haystack flyer, Tom Brady, to score the first touchdown. This was all about the number. It was 60 to one at the Westgate. It's 30 to one now. Uh, by the way, that no touchbacks probably at like plus 160-ish now, I believe. But um, the Tom Brady thing, obviously, I'm going to need a PI in the end zone. Probably Sony Michelle getting stopped a couple times before I could even get a chance at a Brady sneak. But at 60 to 1, I thought it was worth a flyer in terms of the football-related props. Um, Ace will save you for last. Michael, any props that you like out there? I, I do. I like I like Gronk in this game. I think it's a zone game by the by the. Uh, uh, the Rams, I don't think the Rams will want to engage in man-to-man. -man. I think they don't really trust Peters to play discipline enough 
in man-to-man. I think Tlaib knows he can't run anymore, so I think it's a zone game. And that being a zone game, I think Gronk's going to have a big day. I like the Gronk over three-and-a-half catches in the game. I also like James White to have more rushing attempts. I think it's four. I think that's the number I like. I think they'll be in some sub-situations where he'll be able to run the football. And because they play a light box, Mark Barron's not very big. Littleton's not very big. I think there'll be opportunities for when they play nickel against their, their 11 personnel, I think there'll be opportunities for the Patriots to run the ball. Marco, what was your advice yesterday on, on props? You don't like correlating them to your game handicap? Well, I, don't, tie, don't tie all of your props to one way. Because if, you, you know, if you're making everything geared to the way you've handicapped the game, I mean, obviously you, you want to have some knowledge of what you think is going to happen. But if you tie 15 or 20 props to correlated to what you're thinking how the game's going to go, and you're wrong, you now instead of just losing one bet, you know, either taking the Patriots or the Rams, you've lost that bet and ten to fifteen other plays that are all geared the same way. I say diversify your prop portfolio because a lot of times even you could be dead right on the uh, what you see happening, and then all of a sudden one of the two teams kicks out by fourteen points. And that teams whose game plan was to run the football now all of a sudden is throwing on every down and changes all of the prop results. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. So, Although generally speaking, I am pro correlation, but I hear what you're saying in terms of uh, the all-in effect of all that. By the way, I love that Gronk prop, Michael. That plus three, uh, th- or rather over three and a half catches. That sounds like a winner to me for sure. No, I just think to me, I think it's. I think this could be. Uh, Gronk didn't say it's not. Brady certainly did. It could be Gronk's last game. I think they're going to go to him. I really do. I think he's probably as healthy and as and as fit as he possibly could be, and I think he'll play that way. Yeah, it feels like it might be his last game. We had a little inkling of that last year, but this has that feeling. Who knows? We'll find out after he takes his time off after this game, win or lose. Ace, got a couple? Yeah, and actually someone uh, really, really sharp uh, that I respect was actually bringing up uh, Gronk props. Um that they're, they're really high on it. They expect Gronk to do really good against this defense. So, yeah, now that just helped confirm it. Thank you. Uh, the ones I have now, ones I had uh, were correlated with that, that first half under, um, you know, more points in the second half than the first half, no scoring first five and a half minutes, that stuff. Uh, but I'm going to share the, the ones that I bet for some of the groups that I, I, I bet for. Um, they, the guys that are here, that it's a two-team combination here in, in Vegas that, that do props, and they do great every year. Um, these three are from them. Um, the Edelman has a rushing attempt, yes, plus 110. We bet that. Um, the Rams' first play on offense is a, a rush or a sack at minus 130. Um, we bet that. And we bet uh, over two and a half players have a pass attempt at plus 110. So two at plus money and one at minus money. The two plus money that Edelman has a rushing attempt, yes. Uh, two and a half players pass attempt over, and the Rams' first play on offense is a rush or, you know, get sacked. I wonder if the Saints had made it to the Super Bowl, if they would have adjusted that two and a half finally off of two and a half to three and a half with Taysom Hill being involved. We'll never Good know. Point. We'll never know. By the way, again, we always like to say the prop that flummoxes the public the most. Super Bowl prop every single year. Will a team score three consecutive times? The inkling for most is to go no at big plus money, plus 180-ish. 
with bang for your buck thinking, oh my God, it's the two best teams in football, or at least the conference champions, man, it's going to be very unlikely that any team scores three times in a row. Again, extra points and two-point conversions excluded. The truth is it happens all the time and that it is properly priced at around minus 200 for the yes and the no at plus 180. So don't be fooled by that prop. That's the first thing we want to point out. Shall I do my exotic props to get us out of here? These Give are, it to us. Give it to these us, are the, please. These are the non-football-related props. You can only find these globally offshore, if you will, uh, in various locations. I have three of them, three of them, and we'll crescendo up to Maroon 5 is doing the halftime show. First one, though, National Anthem, Gladys Knight doing the National Anthem. Uh, you will find this at varying times, but at 1 minute and 50 seconds, 110 seconds, I am going under minus 110. By the way, it's now minus 136, so it's gone in my favor, at least the one at 110 seconds. My thinking is simply this. Gladys Knight is old school. She is not of the generation like we've seen in past years. Christina Aguilera, Alicia Keys, who likes to make an opera out of every single note. Gladys Knight just wants to sing the damn song. So under one minute and 50 seconds on that one. Will Jim Nance or Tony Romo, the announcing team, will they mention that Sony Michelle and Todd Gurley were teammates at the University of Georgia? This game is in Atlanta, of course. I got the yes at plus 180. The yes is now minus 185. Sorry about that. I think that's probably not playable anymore. Apologize. And then Maroon 5. What will be the first song that Maroon 5 will play during the Super Bowl halftime show? As you know, Marco, famously, Bruno Mars, No Hat, through the years, Katy Perry starting her halftime show with the song Roar. You name it, we've done it. Although Coldplay took us for a loop. Here's the deal. Extensive Maroon 5 set list research reveals that in 37 concerts since the end of May, Maroon 5, in 37 out of 37 set lists that have been logged, opened up their show with... Now I forgot the name of the song. <laughs> what Lovers Do. That's the name of the song. What Lovers Do. Now here's the thing. If you go to a place like Bovada, they don't even have What Lovers Do listed, nor do they have a field bet. But I have found field bets elsewhere. I got it at plus 342. I looked up this morning after I did a whole thing on it at VEASAN yesterday. It's at minus 115. I would still play it at minus 115. What lovers do, not listed, but there is a field bet in certain spots at minus 115 still available. That is your extensive Maroon 5 research. You're very welcome. <laughs> thank you to all. Uh, Marco D'Angelo from Wager Talk. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Ace. Thank you as well. Another season in the books, gentlemen. We appreciate it. And thanks to everybody for all the Vegas lifestyle feedback, the show that keeps on giving. We are always absolutely overwhelmed by all the response on Twitter. So thank you to everybody for that. I know I speak on behalf of Marco and Ace on that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Thanks for having us, man. Thank you for another fine season. Our eighth doing this podcast and michael lombardi who was kind enough to come on a numbers game on vison and everybody else's show has his own show on vison the author of gridiron genius writes for the athletic we should point that out as well i bury the headline you write for the athletic michael thank you man i really appreciate you doing double duty and doing this podcast i hope it wasn't that painful for you no problem i enjoyed it i loved it i listened i learned a lot and i appreciate it i'll see you on i'll see you on friday gil thank you i look forward to it michael coming into town Thank you all for listening this season and through the seasons, really. We really appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. There is nothing, and Marco and Ace and I have said this 
no matter what else we do, VEASAN for me, Marco, I don't know if you know this, Ace, Marco has a podcast too that he does. I'm not sure if you're aware of I heard. Yeah. Marco does a podcast. Marco does radio. Marco does lots of things. Ace does a UFC show, for God's sakes. He does stuff for uh, Golik and Wingo on ESPN. So people do other stuff. But I think I speak on behalf of of the group here, and and maybe I'm wrong, but you guys will correct me. Nothing, and I mean nothing, gets the response that we get from this podcast. And we are so humbled by that. We don't want to know why that is because we don't want to, you know, start to pick at what is the magic of it. But whatever it is, we so appreciate that it resonates with everybody, and we are eternally grateful. I think, honestly, not that it cut you off, because it's beautiful what you're saying, and and I agree 100%. I think it's because it's just genuine, man. You've put something, a platform that's allowed us to come on and just be ourselves. I never have to, like, not say prepare, but, I mean, over-prepare or, like, think before I come on, I, I, I need to be a certain way. This is a national audience I'm talking to, or, you know what I mean? How before you do some media stuff right. here, it's like our, our listeners, you know, you're so comfortable with everyone. It's like, I feel like it's just, we're at a place just talking and they're just hanging out overhearing us. You know, it's how it feels like. I think it's very true. Marco's quiet because Marco's like, my podcast gets more of a response than this one does. <laughs> no, but uh, I think uh, Ace hits it on in, Seriously, and I tell my guys, you know, with the podcast that I do, I just want to have it feel like a couple, you know, a bunch of friends sitting around at a bar having drinks and talking sports. And that's really what this show comes off at. Uh, We're just, you know, yeah, you know, we got the persona of Vegas and, you know, the lifestyle that, you know, people believe that magical out here, but at the end of the day, we're just like everybody else. And that's the way we, we convey the show. And, uh, I appreciate it. And I, you know, as you said, we're truly humbled by the response that, uh, everybody gets, uh, gives us and, you know, love the shout outs. And, you know, when people, you know, quote back and use, you know, VR's terms or my terms or a situation that I always use and point it out, you know, through Twitter that, that, you know, makes, us all feel warm and fuzzy no question about it no doubt about it plinko sprinkle whatever the term they all came from this podcast everybody using them now so we are humbled by all of that for marco d'angelo and ace i will of course do podcasts throughout the year this group as a unit will be back for season number nine in late august early september we look forward to it as always thank you for listening good luck with all your bets super bowl 53 this weekend Say, 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 hey, hey, now, baby. Oh, mama, don't play now, baby. Say, 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 hey, hey, now, baby. So let's go on things right now, baby. Tell me, tell me if you love me or not, love me or not, love me or not. At the house one, yeah, I'm lucky or not, lucky or not, lucky or not. You gotta tell me if you love me or not, love me or not, love me or not. I'm wishing for you, I'm a lucky enough, lucky enough, lucky enough. Ooh, 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 I'm wishing for you. Come on, come on. Try to feel what love is new. Ooh, 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 I'm wishing for you. Come on, come on. Try to feel what love is new. Ooh, 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 ooh,
365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare when you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year 100,000 mile limited warranty you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.